Hey, thanks for joining us on the No Limits Church podcast. Here at No Limits, we are on a mission to make a difference in the lives of others. We want to help people know God, find freedom, and discover purpose. It's a journey, and we're all walking it together. So wherever you're listening from, we pray that you are encouraged and empowered by this week's message. Did anybody enjoy the End Time series? I actually have some more coming for you. I think I'm going to bring it in August. There's some really cool things about the Jewish calendar, and just it's just awesome. So I really wanted to get into that in the last four weeks, but just didn't have time. We, we like blazed through the end time stuff. It was like a, a fast road, and I was pretty wore out at the end of last week. I was like, wow, that was a, that was a lot. But um, I'm not speaking today. I wore myself out so much I needed a break. I really did need a break, but... Also, uh, a good friend of mine, Dr. Mark Sherwood, um, wanted to come and bring you guys the word. He's been here many times before. Go ahead and make your way up here, Dr. Mark. Give you a little history. I've actually, I've been on Dr. Mark's team for, has it been like seven years now or something like that? Helping, it started with, uh, I built him a website and then it went from there. And so I help him with the marketing at his clinic in Tulsa where he does functional medicine with his wife, Dr. Michelle. Dr. Michelle, go ahead and stand up so people can say hi to you. These guys are awesome. And then, uh, what was it? Has it even been a year ago now? You announced that you're running for governor. And I was like, wow, I might be friends with the governor. I hope that I am friends with the governor. I think he's going to tell you a little bit about that, but I'm just really excited that he's here. A few other things about that he doesn't talk about very often is he used to be on the power team. Anybody go see the power team where they're breaking bricks and, and breaking handcuffs? He actually broke a pair of handcuffs just a few months ago at one of his, his events. It was crazy. So he did the power team, and, and he's been ministering all over the world. I mean, it's just it's incredible. He does the doctor thing. He's part of the SWAT team in Tulsa. for You're there 10 years as part of the SWAT team, so y'all better watch out, all right? Just just watch out. He's got a good word for us today. Dr. Mark, so glad you're here. Well, good morning. There's no place I'd rather be than with you right now, so thank you for having me so much. I appreciate Pastor Cade so much. He is um, my friend, very close friend. I also call him my pastor as well, and I have the greatest and utmost respect for Cade and Beth back there in there. 25 kids. It's awesome. <laughs> I remember when they were childless. It seemed like yesterday. And all of a sudden, praise the Lord. The creel is full, right? So we're going to get into some things this morning. And I'm going to impart a word to you today that it really has been on my heart uh, for quite some time. It's a word that I'm learning well. How many know that when you live in the word, you learn the word because the Lord becomes part of you, right? We know that. So as we go forward, I want to begin today with a little bit of just updates. As Pastor Cade said, I am on the gubernatorial ticket for Oklahoma. With that said, I, I think it's been an awesome experience. It's also been the hardest experience of my wife and I's life. <laughs> we have faced evil head on. I think we woke up every demon in hell recently and it's okay. You know, I Something that made national news. I said this statement. Life begins in God before it's created or conceived on earth. Everybody agree with that? You would have thought that all hell ro rolled over. I had everybody coming out after me with every threat you can imagine. And it still continues this day. So we know we're on the right track. Amen. 
It's been crazy. Uh, we do have some flyers back there for everyone. I'm not going to talk about the campaign particularly today because I will talk about principles that need to be involved in government and our lives. I think that's a big deal, right? So we're going to talk about that. But from campaign standpoint, we've got these flyers back here. And it says in the front of the flyer, never bow down to tyrants. Defy them. And we have a duty, church. Let me reflect you back to the origination of the Revolutionary War. What happened in those days? Who were the leaders? Who did General Washington appoint as the leaders? Anybody know? A lot of pastors. Pastors would pull off that black robe and that white collar and go grab their muskets. They would get out there and go fight. There were famous pastors who used to put pistols on the pulpit. Do we understand that even the British monarchy called it a Presbyterian revolt? We need to understand that God's people, by sitting down and staying silent, have become part of the problem. We would not be having the problems we have in the world today if the church would have stepped up. The garbage nonsense of the, the uh, deception of separation of church and state has perpetuated the humankind. It's perpetuated a heart, and it needs to get out right now. The whole idea, and by the way, Chris, I appreciate that so much. That was a letter dated January 1st, 1802. And he clearly said in that letter, and it goes on and on, that my objective is to tell you, church, that the government's going to stay out of your business. But he did not say keep God out of government. Quite the opposite. And we've had a deceptive spirit that's came across our land. And I want you to know what it is. It's an excuse to keep God out. They don't want God in the government. They want the devil to run the government. And I'm going to show you today by this word from God what we're supposed to do as Christian people, how we're supposed to affect, infect the government. And that's an important thing because the government controls our world. We understand that we live in this thing called modern-day Babylon. How many agree with that? And that is what it is. So I want you to get this flyer. And I want you to remember this statement on here. Never bow down to tyrants to fight them. What is tyranny? Tyranny is when the people fear the government. And my friends, what is I love it. One more time out loud. I love that. When the government fears the people, that is going to be freedom. And our job, I need a battery up here maybe. I don't know. Our job when we have tyranny is to defy tyranny. Our founding fathers had it clear. When the government began to overreach too much, our job was not to stand by and just take it. Unlimited submission, what a mess. Again, false and deceptive. Thank you. Awesome. So we understand that when you look at the whole idea of the founding fathers, if the government became too big, our job was to absolutely overthrow them. That was the word that was used, and that freaks people out. That is why never give up your guns, folks. Hear me, never give up your guns. I want to echo what Pastor Cade said about the candidates. You need to know where they stand. If they don't answer the question, don't vote for them. I'm serious about that. You want to know what political babble is? When politicians run their mouth. They don't say anything. They say a bunch of words that mean nothing. Ask them the pointed question. I'll give you an example. Are you pro-life? That's an easy question. Well, yes. Are you for abolition of abortion? That's the question. 
because pro-life can mean anything. Understand what I'm talking about. Ask them specific questions, even with school. Are you for school choice? Yes, that's an easy thing. But what do you say about vouchers and grants versus tax credits? You see, one of the greatest fearful things we should understand is I'm from the government. I'm here to help you. (laughs) I'm serious. Understand the candidates and where they stand. If they don't answer the questions, turn them off like a light switch. I'm serious because you've got to know that politics are ruining this country. As I stand before you today, and I believe in Jesus' name, your next governor, we will not bow down to tyrants. Another key thing you can understand about your candidates, and I think it's very important, is to, you can look at their donor records. That's public information. Where did they get their money? You're going to find out that Big Pharma is the most significant contributor to all political campaigns. The majority of our candidates take money from Big Pharma, hospital system, and that's why they won't buck them. Because they want to make sure they keep their alliances intact. It's all about the Big Brother system. It's all about money here, money there. And let me remind you before I get on with this word, because it's super important to catch this today, as I set this in context, is that the more the elitists become elite, the less the people's voice gets heard. And we need to understand it can't be the elitist against the peasants. It's got to be the people standing for and against the government. Because we need bigger people's voices and less government. How many know that that's true? And the only way to do that is to be at the polls in mass numbers. you got to show up to vote. If you don't show up to vote, hear me, you're part of the problem. Don't complain about how things are while you're selling your hands and do nothing about it. My wife and I decided to do something about it. And I will tell you, like the founding fathers probably felt, there were 56 people that signed the Declaration of Independence. Not 57, and not 5,600. How many knew that? 56. Why wasn't there 5,600? Because it took a few people to stand up and make a difference for the masses. Those people had kingdom courage, which is what I'm going to talk to you today about. Kingdom courage. How many want a little dose of kingdom courage? Because if you can get this kingdom courage and it can become to infect your life, it will become infectious in other people's lives and even the government. It will have principles attached. I'm going to lay out for you today that I want you to catch. So kingdom courage is going to be the title today. And I want us to get that idea. What is kingdom courage? Why is it different? We've experienced this thing called kingdom courage is when you stand up against all odds, where people say you can't do that. But when they say you can't, that actually is the fuel that fires you up. When you get the criticism and the death threats, that's actually like a catalyst of jet fuel that makes you go higher. It's called the anointing of God, folks. I've seen the anointing of God in a way that I've not experienced in my entire life. It's like you begin to watch a movie. And you begin to see yourself in that movie. Our job is just to get out of the way. Amen? So my prayer today for even myself, for all of us, that we'll get out of the way and let God's voice reign supreme in our ears, in our eyes, in our minds, and in our hearts. And as he speaks to us today, this word is going to transform your life. It will transform your life so much 
that when you go out these doors today, your life will be transformed forever because you're going to get an impartation of kingdom courage today. It's going to infect every part of your life. It's going to go through you, and you're going to see yourself doing things that you've never done before, becoming what you've never been before, having a strength that you've never had before, saying things you've never had the courage to say before, and putting your feet down in places you never thought you would be again. This is important, so I want you to catch this today. I want to begin today in the book of Daniel. I'm going to stay in the book of Daniel because there's a powerful story here that I want you to catch, but it's not just a story. There's some principles here that you got to get, okay? Principles you got to catch, and I'm going to begin in Daniel chapter 1, and I'm just going to read four verses to kind of set the tone, and remember, we're talking about kingdom courage. Beginning in chapter 1, verse 1, I'm going to read through 4. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles of the temple. These he carried off to the temple of his God, little G-O-D, keeping that in mind, in Babylon, and put in the treasure house of his God. Now, we see here that as we continue to verse 3, then the king ordered Ashpenaz, the chief of his court officials, to bring in some of the Israelites from the royal family and nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. Now, note in this idea that many people were brought from this Judah to Babylon. I want you to catch, this is important. Many were brought, so many were transferred from where they were to where God put them. God delivered Judah into the hands of the Babylonians, right? So these people were transferred from here and put here. Here was not a better place than here. So let us understand as kingdom people, We are here when we came from there. So we're kingdom people. So we are here temporarily. It's not the best of the two, is it? But let us understand that while we're here, many of us, there are jobs for us to do. So we need to understand that we're from a different land. Everybody catch that? I have said many times from pulpits and from platform speeches, and by the way, the gubernatorial platform that God's been given us is a platform to glorify God. In every single speech we've given, and Cade can verify this, we will stand up there and, number one, proclaim Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. And that is important to do. And I really don't care what anybody thinks about it. I've been told by political experts, don't do that. And I look at them and say, how can you not do that? We need God in our lives. We have all this stuff going on in the world today. It's because of a God problem, not a people problem. Now, wonder, understand that all of these people that were brought from Judah to Babylon were well-versed in their own land's knowledge and culture. Anybody catch that? So they were well-versed in kingdom principles. I want you to catch that. You have to practice, rehearse, process, practice, rehearse, process kingdom principles. That's got to be your daily process. Every single day, these kingdom principles got to become part of you. We need to be well-versed in the scriptures, well-versed in God, understand his voice, how to hear his voice, how to commune with him, how to pray, how to have a relationship with him. We need to be so practiced in that because we're in a place 
that wants to take that from you. Understand that what was the purpose of bringing these people from Judah to Babylon? Indoctrination. Y'all catching that? What's happening today? Indoctrination. They're trying to get you as believers to just blend into the culture. Change your language. Let's be all seeker friendly. Let's don't talk about LGBTQ1234. Because that's going to offend people. As Chris said, it makes people want to take their ties slash toys and go home. That's what that is. We don't want to talk about these things in church because, my goodness, people will leave. That's called indoctrination. It's called blending into the culture. There are things that are right and things that are wrong. We cannot be scared of that, folks. Indoctrination is the purpose of Babylon. Did we catch that? That's the purpose of this world in which we live in. It is to indoctrinate people to blend into the culture and become part of the world. We as kingdom people must not become part of the world. They must look at you like you're some kind of weirdo or nut or freak or fruitcake because we are strange people from a strange land that don't fit in here. We need to understand that and accept that. Let's go on to verse 5. I want you to catch this. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. Indoctrination, very important, includes lifestyle. Not just what you say, and not just what you say you worship, and not just where you go to church, but it wants to transfer the world into you to make you sick. I hope y'all are catching this. It wants to make you eat like, think like, breathe like, become like the world so that you'll have those problems. distractions that we're seeing in today's world for the last two years has been sickness, disease, and death. Distractions from the enemy. Satan gets you to think about dying and you forget about living. Understand the whole lifestyle in which we live should have no focus on death, but every focus on life. The indoctrination includes lifestyle. Big Pharma, as I said in the beginning, the most major contributor is running our country. Do we understand that? Do we understand that Big Pharma is witchcraft? Not saying it's wrong in usage of proper medication. But I'm telling you right now, and hear me clearly, and I won't get on the soapbox too much. (laughs) When we depend on pharmaceutical drugs as our primary healer, we are falling into sorcery and witchcraft and Babylonian ways. You got to hear that. I'm serious. When you trust the white coat more than you trust the white robe, we got a problem. My great physician... His name is Jesus. I'm going to trust him above all things. Amen. I begin and continue in verse 6 and 7. Again, we're setting up this idea of kingdom courage. Verse 6, and among these, remember, many were taken from Judah over here to Babylon. Among these were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, he called Belteshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach, and to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. Understand that Babylonian ways will try to change your name. 
They'll try to change your identity. I'm a child of God. My name is Mark. I'm not from this world, and I don't care what this world thinks about me. I am not going to let the world name me. I'm sick. I'm broke. I'm busted. I'm beat down. I'm in lack. That's the world's name for you. The world will try to switch out your identity and get you to speak differently. Watch the language, the culture, the lifestyle. It'll try to indoctrinate you and put you in all of that. Better? I think I was covering the bottom of the receiver with my hand. Thank you for pointing that out. (laughs) Understand that when the culture begins to change your identity, you will forget who you are. How many in the world right now and how many out in the sound of my voice have said these words before? I don't even know who I am anymore. Know who you are in Christ. That's the key thing. You can't experience or live out or possess kingdom courage until you know who you are. Because understanding when kingdom courage comes at you and there's a need for it, you won't be able to stand. But let me begin in verse 8 of chapter 1 to set up a couple key things that you want to know about kingdom courage. In verse 8, Daniel is there, and we see, But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile him in this way. So Daniel was resolved. He was resolute. He made up his mind ahead of time. You cannot make up your mind at the time you have the temptation. You have to make up your mind before you get to that place. You have to be resolved that whatever comes your way, you're going to stand your ground. And I'm telling you, that's the prerequisite for even experiencing this idea of kingdom courage. You can't just decide when to, well, if it comes, I think I'll be all right. No, you got to decide right now what you do. Otherwise, you're going to melt like a cube of ice in summer weather in Oklahoma. You're not going to be able to stand up to it. I'm giving you some, some keys here to understand the world is going to be rough. It's not going to get better. It's not supposed to. Understand the dark, darkness of the world is going to get darker. But, oh, my friends, the brightness of us will make every darkness run the other way. I'm not worried about darkness. I don't focus on darkness. I focus on being as bright as I can be. Understand that many were brought to Babylon, but only a few were mentioned here, only four. We're back to that place of the Declaration of Independence on 56. Only four were mentioned here. What happened to the rest of them? Maybe they weren't resolved. Maybe they were well trained. Maybe they knew the culture of the kingdom, but maybe they weren't resolved. But oh, my friends, these four were, as we'll see later. Now understand, the kingdom courage we're talking about is going to show up at the greatest time of testing. Because right at the edge of your greatest breakthrough, you're going to have the greatest fears. It's going to be right there. And you've got to learn to kick in the door of that fear and don't back away from it at all. It doesn't matter what comes your way. My question for you is, do you think you have kingdom courage? Do you think you have kingdom courage? We're going to find out in just a minute because kingdom courage is going to be all of it. It's required for us at our greatest times of testing. How many in the room are going through great testing right now? That's when kingdom courage occurs. You have to be able to step up. I want to give you some principles here because kingdom courage, when you start to exhibit that, there's a chain of events that happen. There's five. 
And I want you to catch these things because these are guaranteed to happen. These are principles when, not if, but when you exhibit kingdom courage. When you say, I'm resolved, I'm going to stand, these five things will happen in this order. Okay, you can bank on it because it happens. Beginning in verse 9. Now, God had caused the official to show favor and sympathy to Daniel. And we see this right here. Daniel was shown favor. When you exhibit kingdom courage, you'll be given favor, uncommon favor from your enemies. So kingdom courage is always a prerequisite for getting favor. I'm talking about not worldly favor that you can expect. I'm talking about uncommon kingdom favor that you can't even understand. Mind-blowing favor. How did Daniel get favor from his captor? Who does that? Right? So Daniel got favor. We begin with uh, the second point of this in verse 10 through 14. Check this out. But the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my lord the king, who's assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. Daniel then said to the guard, whom the chief official had appointed over him, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please. I want to stop there for a moment. Don't be a jerk to people. Just because you got kingdom favor all over you, you got kingdom courage, don't be a jerk. Please goes a long ways. So Daniel says, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. Now, what's happening in this interaction between the guard, the captor, and Daniel? Understand that Daniel was given this idea of words of wisdom. So we have favor followed by words of wisdom. God will give you these words to say in a way that doesn't bring offense, but brings favor. Understand our job is to stand our ground. Daniel did, but the words that he spoke were seasoned with wisdom. That means that you can sit down at a table with somebody who absolutely doesn't stand for you and hate your guts, and they'll still give you favor. That is God's principle when you exhibit his kingdom courage. So understand that words of wisdom follow the idea of favor. When we continue this, this process looking at verse 15 through 20, and I want you to catch this. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding and all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. Verse 18, at the end of the time set by the king to bring them in, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And they entered the king's service. In every manner of wisdom, check this out, every manner of wisdom and understanding about which the kings questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. I find that absolutely amazing. So here you've got Daniel, and he is not only given favor, then words of wisdom, and now 
all that's in him is being observed by everybody else. So it's the way he looks, the way he sounds, the way he is. When he walks in the room, people know something's different about him. Do people notice something different about you? Do they sense the presence of God with what you say, what you do, how you smell, how you dress, how you act, how you are? When you walk in a room, God should own the room. People should not see us. They should see God in us. So this is what's happening with Daniel. He was given favor uncharacteristics, he was speaking the words of wisdom, and that was apparent to all that was around him. So this idea of how we look, how we act, other people are going to see that. They're going to see something different in you, and we know it's someone different. So it opens up the door for further discussion. So Daniel hasn't said anything about God yet, has he? Let's think through this. Has he said, you need to serve God or you're going to die? No, he hasn't said that at all. He got favor by being obedient, right, kingdom courage, and then he began to have words of wisdom to try to build favor, and then God put him in front of people that observed that. These people didn't love God, right? But they still saw something different about Daniel and his four friends, or three friends, right? So we need to understand that this is important. Now, we understand here that the world is going to view you differently, which is good. Some people won't like it, but it's still good. Something different is in you. Now, we progress. We go to chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled, and he could not sleep. So the king summoned the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. When they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, I have a dream that troubles me, and I want to know what it means. Now, we know what happened at this point. The astrologers, the sorcerers, the magicians could not interpret that dream at all. They didn't even want to go there because they knew they couldn't go there, right? They had no answers, even though the king had questions. The king became so angry. This is what a lot of people miss right here, that he ordered all of the wise men, including Daniel and all his buddies, to be executed. Because he was so mad, he, was, he put them all in the same category. You all claim to be wise. Nobody can interpret this dream. I want to kill all of you guys. That was his opinion. And that included Daniel and his friends. Well, eventually, that word gets back to Daniel. And Daniel says, wait a minute. I think I can interpret that dream. Let's go back here to chapter 2, verses 14 through 16. When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put to death the wise men of of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. Are you with me again? So this is his executioner coming to him. I'm going to kill you, man. Let me speak to you with some wisdom, sir, before you chop my head off. That's exactly what's happening here, right? With wisdom and tact, he asked the king's officer, check this out, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? Arioch to explain the matter to Daniel. At this, Daniel went to the king and asked for time so that he might interpret the dream for him. What boldness came over Daniel? Here's his executioner coming to him, and somehow or another, because of the favor and the wisdom of the words God gave him, God stayed the execution and put him back in the presence of the king. Now, who does that? That's only by God's grace. So again, we see the wisdom of word and favor. 
Now, what happened then, we see in Daniel chapter 2, verse 24 to 28. Actually, before that, Daniel went and prayed to God and said, God, you got to help me here, man. So again, we've got favor. We've got words of wisdom. We've got everybody seeing a difference. But let us not forget we need to ask God for direction all the time. That's very important. Now, here it comes. This is when God gets his moment in the sun from this whole interaction. Watch this, verse 24 to 28. Then Daniel went to Arioch, and the king had appointed to execute the wise men of Babylon and said to him, <coughs> do not execute the wise men of Babylon. Take me the king. I will interpret the dream for him. So Arioch took Daniel the king at once and said, I have found a man among the exiles of Judah who can tell the king what the dream means. So see, Daniel is still not identified as a man of God, is he? Not yet. It's getting there. The king asked Daniel, also called Belteshazzar, are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? Now Daniel replied, no wise man, here's the punchline, enchanter, magician, diviner can explain the king the mystery he has asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. I think that's cool because you've had all this going on the whole time, and Daniel's now saying, wait a minute, you really want the answer? It's God. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in days to come. Your dream and the visions that pass through your mind as you lay on your head are as these. Daniel goes on and interprets the dream for Nebuchadnezzar. And he stood in the gap for his friends. I want you to catch this. Daniel stood in the gap. He interposed for his friends. He even interposed for all the wise men. Daniel was grouped together with these wise men who weren't like him. But he was in the group. So because Daniel stepped up, he was actually saving their lives too. Are you all catching this? This is important because when Daniel steps up like this, he was standing in the gap. He correctly interpreted the dream and gave glory to God, which I think is amazing. When you exhibit kingdom courage, you will have favor. You'll be given words of wisdom. Other people will see it, and you'll hear more from God. That's the fourth thing I want you to catch. How many want to hear more from God? What preceded that kingdom courage? You see, you've got to step up when the times get tough. If you don't step up when the times get tough, I promise you the times will roll over you. What happens next with Daniel? We know as we continue in verse 46 through 48 of chapter 2, after Daniel interpreted the dream, watch what happens to Nebuchadnezzar. This will blow your mind. Remember, we got favor, Words of wisdom, we've got this idea of observation, the world will see you differently, and then we've got the idea of hearing God's voice better and be able to communicate him, his voice better, his principles, his light, his glory, right? Then, verse 46, chapter 2, then King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel and paid him honor and ordered that an offering and incense be presented to him. The king said to Daniel, surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries. For you were able to reveal this mystery. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts upon him. He made him ruler of the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge 
of all the wise men. Their lives were saved, and now Daniel was put in charge of all the wise men. Daniel's interpretation blew the king's mind. Your life, when you exhibit kingdom courage, will blow people's minds. They will be forced to recognize that God is the God of all, that Jesus is the King of kings, and that there's no God above him. People will be forced to recognize that something in you is different. They'll be forced to recognize whether they follow him or not, that that is God and God alone. This idea that we've got to catch that favor, words of wisdom, the recognition from other people that something's different about you, and the idea that you will be able to hear from God better will be followed by uncharacteristic kingdom promotion. How many want uncharacteristic kingdom promotion? I want you to catch that because these five things occur in order every single time. Now, we know it's a cycle. It's going to follow. What happens after that promotion? You're going to get a bigger test. What happened to Daniel? What happened to his friends? Remember that? We had this idea of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They refused to bow down to the golden idol. And the king was grieved about that because his advisors tricked him into making an order that he would execute those people. Remember, he heated the furnace up multiple times harder than it was supposed to. It was killing even the guards. Fourth man in the furnace, who was that? And it grieved Nebuchadnezzar to do that. And I think internally he was hoping that these guys would be saved. But nonetheless, these guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel's three friends, man, they were resolved, weren't they? Whatever happened, they didn't care, really, because they knew that if they went to, their, to the, meet their demise right there, their address is going to change, but they're not going to die. Yeah, right. And so we got to be that resolved too, folks. When the tough times come, it's not living or dying that's the point. It's the resolve we have in us. Do we have the kingdom courage to face it? And when you look at Daniel, Daniel was later told, stop praying. Don't pray. Boy, are we told to do that today. Don't you pray in hospitals, doctor. Nurse, you better not. Job, no way. Now, you can lay a mat down and face the east and pray a bunch of times, but you're not going to pray to God. Don't you do that in business. Don't you do that in politics. Ain't no place for God anymore. People are trying to push him out, trying to indoctrinate you to take him out with you. We live in a world of great violence and great pain and great trauma and great uncertainty. It's not a gun problem. It's not a virus problem. It's not a doctor problem. It's a God problem. We need to get this idea inside of our head, folks, that we got to bring God back into everything. And it's going to take kingdom courage. These five steps that we gave you today are keys that will help. But they won't be real in your life until you exhibit the kingdom courage. And to get there, you got to get up every day and have a process and a pattern and a predictable resolution to what you're going to do and how you're going to face it. In other words, don't be haphazard in life. Don't be flippant and disorganized. Get up and be predictable and do the same things over and over again that give you great results. That's the key to getting kingdom courage. Although I know my courage gets strengthened so I go out there and face it every day. And I got to tell you, many times recently, it's been tough to walk in front of people in a room 
This is Daniel stuff, right? To walk in a room where half the crowd hates your guts. They've already told you so. But you've got to count it the privilege to step in front of them. Because even if one person looks at you different and glory is brought to God, we win. God wins. God wins anyway, but he wants to use us in the world to be some of these chosen few. Remember, many were brought from Babylon or from Judah to Babylon, but only those four guys are mentioned. They did extraordinary things, and they saved so many people, even their enemies. That's the idea of kingdom courage. Because if we can save our enemies from getting killed, losing their lives, they have one more day to hear about the goodness of God. So even if people hate your guts, stand in the gap for them because it's the right thing to do. Kingdom courage comes from a true relationship with God and a true understanding of your real citizenship. I may have been born in America, but I'm not an American. I'm a kingdom-believing person in Jesus Christ. That's who I am. I'm not from this planet. When I get done here, I'm going to go right back to where I came from. That's why I have no fear about anything. Because as soon as I leave this earth, I'm walking in front of God, and he's going to say, well done, Mark. You did a good job. Come on in. And I'm going to have life eternal. We need to understand who we are, what our name is, that special name that God gives us, where our citizenship lies. And it doesn't belong to this earth. Our dependence is not here. It's on God. Our dependence for our health, our wealth, our jobs, our promotion, our finances, our protection, our housing, our food, our clothes, this is all God's stuff. So in this world we live in, there's going to be all kinds of conjecture that's going to tell you you're going to be lacking. But in kingdom principles, that's not true at all. God will bring it to pass uncharacteristic that the world doesn't understand. So as you exhibit this whole idea of kingdom courage, you're going to see that there will be times that it's going to get very, very tough. But it starts that cycle over. Because how many know that a one-time jolt of kingdom courage is not enough? I want that every day. And kingdom courage has got to grow. It's got to grow so that we become one of those four or one of those 56 We've got to become the leaders. The remnant is being identified today, folks. And I'm glad because the remnant magnifies God on this earth. We must never, ever surrender to anything the world throws at you. We must never surrender to tyranny. We must never surrender to indoctrination or someone that tries to change your name, change your identity, change your health, change your wealth, change your dependence to depending on the government over God. We must never, ever surrender. Thank you so much for joining us. And a special thanks to those that give in to our ministry. It's because of your generous giving that we're able to lead people to Jesus and make a difference all around the world. If you're ready to give, head to your browser and type nolimits.fyi into the address bar. And if you were encouraged by this podcast, then hit that share button and pass it on so that others can be encouraged as well. Or you can even take a screenshot and share it on your social stories. Thanks again for listening. Now let's go make a difference.